0: Hey, Hot Family and Community, and those of you who are new, welcome. I hope that you consider to subscribe and join into our Hot Family. And remember, I am not better than you. I am learning with you. And today's podcast is going to be awesome because I have my special guest, Perry, and he is going to help us learn and dive into the mindset of baseball. Along with that, he's going to share with us a book that he has written that I'm currently reading right now. And so, Perry, you there? Yeah, so uh, first of
1: all, thank you for having me on. I, I really appreciate it and I hope anyone listening can take something away from this conversation and make make themselves better in in the long run, not just as a player but as a person. Absolutely. Uh so I'm a I'm a former college baseball player and I played at Montclair State, which is a Division 3 school in where I'm from New Jersey and I mean like I've told you many times and many others but my story is kind of played baseball my whole life, got the opportunity to play in college, like I said, and then I ended up uh, quitting about a year. Uh, so after my freshman year of college and after I quit, I kind of didn't have a passion. I didn't know what to do uh, with my life. And, and then COVID hit and I, uh, I felt like I had no purpose to to work for anything. I had no goals. And as a, you know, someone who played baseball their entire life, losing something that, you know, you were always working toward a goal. It, it was it was hard for me, and I struggled for you know about a month of stress and anxiety, and I didn't know what to do until I um, had this initial spark to write a book and put together a baseball book and and give back to the baseball community like you are uh, in in writing. And um and I, and I'm, I'll dive into that later uh, into the podcast today, but it, it was it changed my life into in many ways that I can't explain. And I got very in love with the
0: the mental side of the game, mental performance and sports psychology. So, And I'm excited to talk about that because uh, I'm reading the book currently, like I said, and I'm learning quite a bit. And what's cool about this is you don't just share your own perspective. You actually reached out to professional athletes, recruiters, and so much more, right? Yeah. And so it's not like it's just your own perspective or anything like that. You actually share other people's, you know, um, perspective and also intuition. So can you share a little bit more about that? Like how how did you go about that? And how did how what was the most interesting aspect of that interaction that you had?
1: Yeah. uh, So to begin with, um, I guess I'll kind of tell you guys how I even thought of the idea of, of putting a book together. And it was my it was a semester before i I quit baseball i had this I was taking this one class uh sports psychology class with uh the best professor I've ever had dr Rob Gilbert and I remember the first class he he told us, "Oh, I'm gonna make you guys break a world record or, or write a book and everyone in the class is like looking at this guy like, "What are you talking about? No one's writing a book stop talking We're, let's just teach us sports psychology." And he was like, no. And then every single day, every single class, he would try to inspire us to do something extraordinary with our lives. And writing a book was one of that. And he would, he told the benefits of writing a book, the the ups and downs of writing a book, the, how hard it's going to be, but how also easy it is, and the process of it, and everything everything you could think of he he, he brought about to my attention. So uh, when I when I found that spark in, in around March last year, um. I I didn't know what to do. So I kind of leaned on some of my professors and some of my friends to kind of get this thing going. I had, I was bouncing off of ideas for a while and it got to the point where it was too many of ideas and less doing. So I honestly reached out to, I want to say over a thousand people, like no lot, no, like no joke at all. I reached out to at least over a thousand people to, to uh, put this book together. And I figured if I reach out to a thousand people, I have to get some, some kind of responses, some responses back. And I ended up getting a little over 60 people who were um, professionals in the field who wanted to contribute to my book and hop on a call and talk some stuff. And it, it was the best part because like you said, I share my personal experiences. I share any advice and tips that I can give to, to a player who wants to get better. Um, but half of the book is my writing but then half of the book is the experts in the field whether it's strength conditioning whether it's nutrition whether it's mindset whether it's hitting or pitching or fielding or outfield or infield like and I think that brings some credibility to the the book itself and some value because sure you can hear my experiences and 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 my things but why not hear it from a professional player a minor leaguer or a former veteran pro or a um, college coach, if you want to learn about the college recruiting process, like it, it just makes so much sense to uh, hit all of those targets. So, you know, anyone who's interested in, in developing and getting better and, and learning about the game can do so, whether you're a youth kid or you're a, a, a high school baseball coach or a pro- professional player who wants to still get better and learn more about the game. So um, I, I thank you for reading it. I appreciate the support. Uh, and it was, again, it was the best thing that's ever happened to me.
0: And why would you say it's the best thing that ever happened to you? Because you know, this is a book that's for the community. So, what what has impacted on you as far as that goes?
1: Uh, I, I would just say the the just the, the overall experience that I had reaching out to those people. Like I said, in the, you know previously, I mean, I lost the pa- I lost passion. I didn't know what I wanted to work for. I didn't know what job path or career path I wanted to go. I just I didn't know what to do with myself. Uh, again, I was just playing Xbox with my friends or doing online school. Like that was my life every day. And when I lost baseball, I, I felt like I gained that spark back in in my love for the game of baseball by you know vicariously through talking with all these people. It felt like I was a part of the sport and the community again. And it and it was an, it was an amazing feeling. Like that feeling of talking to a professional coach or professional player. It is like no other. And, and like it made me feel like I wanted to be a part of the game again. And one of the cool things was I got in touch with um, my mentor now, who's like my absolute go to with this stuff. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm going to shout him out. But Brian Miles, who's the mental performance coordinator with the Cleveland Indians. And when I reached out to him, again, to try to contribute to my book or help out with anything, Um, I didn't know that mental performance or sports psychology was even a field. And I didn't know that it was a job in professional baseball. So when he was telling me about his job, his, his path, and it turned out that um, he went to my college, my undergrad school, and he had the same exact professor that inspired me to write the book in sports psychology. So when we had that initial connection, he opened my eyes to a, a new field and a spark uh, something to work for against so a passion that i could I could aim for um and that's when I fell in love with the mental game and and trying to pursue that as a as a career too
0: that's so awesome and, and that's great for us to also to you know to know because there's many people who who love the game of baseball but may not know that that was actually a field um, the mental side of coaching and also it i believe there's also so many different other there's thousands of jobs. There's, i think there's like legit a thousand jobs in in one team that is actually like l- contributing to baseball in some way shape or form and so you right. they they're not just like oh you know i have to be a coach an athletic trainer or a um or a player in order to be a a part of baseball like there's so many right. different things that you can do to be a part of it and that's not just in baseball, that's in any sport, really. So just a yeah. just a great thought process for those of you who, who are in that process. And if you don't mind me asking, you know, what what ended up making you lose the passion at first and, and end up quitting?
1: Yeah, um, so it kind of started my, this is going backwards, it's my senior year of high school. Uh, I struggled as a pitcher um I stopped kind of hitting my junior year of high school I was de- you know I was deemed a PO or a pitcher only and I it, it was hard because I it was uh you know as a pitcher you have one job really you have a job to throw strikes and I failed to do so a lot um I walked a lot of guys I didn't have a lot of control or command many of my pitches and I didn't even know if I was going to play in college, and I didn't pitch again. I didn't pitch a single inning in high school. My senior year of high school, I didn't pitch a single inning, which was, you know, it was tough for me because, like, it's my senior year. I I actually was committed to a college at that point because I got um I did pretty well at a camp at Montclair State, uh, two camps, and that's how I got recruited. But then when I got to Montclair, I remember this is again this is a story I told you. My first outing as a freshman, we we were doing a fall inner squad, and I threw sixteen balls in a row without throwing a single strike. So I walked, I walked the ballpark, I walked Four Guys Street, and I remember being on the mound after like the second or third walk, like how am I, how am I even here? Like how am I a college pitcher? Do I even belong here? What am I doing? And it was a struggle. It was definitely a struggle, and. I, I say this to all the kids I coach and anyone listening in it's when you get to the collegiate level, whether it's division one, division two, division three, or JUCO um, if that's your aspirations, just know that it's a, it's a, it's a commitment. It's a full-time, you know, you're a student and then you're also an athlete and you have to, that's, that's what your time is. That's what your schedule is the whole day. And all of that, you know, combined, so all of that uh, hard scheduling and, and com- combined with, my struggles on the mound and me even putting in all the work that I can to try to get better, whether I was in the weight room or on the field or in practice, I was the hardest worker on the team. I took pride in that. And when I didn't see the results, uh, it was, it was hard. So I think that's why I kind of lost passion for it because I was working towards something and not necessarily getting the results for it, you know, for, I guess, two, two years straight, because I, I even did the same thing in high school. So it was definitely tough. A, a, a tough decision. and uh, But again, I, I don't regret it because of the, the, the outcomes that happened after. So,
0: And so let's dive into the mindset then because, you know, this was a moment and thing for you is, is struggling with the mental side of the game. It looks like because when it came down to it, you're like, hey, you know, I'm struggling. And, and it wasn't so much the physical side. It seemed more like it was the mental side. So the after fact has really ignited uh, the mental side of the game for you. And so what does that look like? What have you learned uh, personally in this journey of writing your book when it comes to the mindset in baseball? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I always ask myself that question. Yeah, and I, I, that's a great
1: point that you just brought up. Uh, the last sentence you just said, doing it all the time, and then it's gonna make a difference. Um, you can't just bring in these physical tools or breathing techniques when you're in the game. You have to practice them because with practice becomes preparation, with preparation comes confidence. Absolutely. And, and if you're consistently practicing your, your, your breathing routines on the mound or in the batter's box or on the field, or you're consistently practicing your ability to focus in practice, it's it's going, to, it's going to pay off. It's going to pay off in the game. Because if you just try to bring in a random mental skill or mental tool to help you out in the moment, it might work one time, but it won't work all the time. You won't be able to rely on it because you haven't practiced it a ton.
0: Um, so I thought you brought up a really great point there. And so I would love to ask you, you know, when it came to, when it comes to more, aspect of the mindset going on to the mountain so we talked about breathing and how effective that can be and then what is a another thing that kind of uh came across while you were doing the book that really could be beneficial for some of the athletes like what else um mentally came around i i think the
1: what we kind of touched on before is the preparation I, again preparation is, is it seems physical but it's a mental thing too and your preparation, your routine start right when you wake up. So what do your routines look like in the morning? So any high performer, whether you're a um professional gymnast or a professional baseball player, or any type of player who wants to be the best in their, you know, in their in their realm, in their field, it starts with your day. So this is talked a lot in mindset training or mental performance, is what do you do when you wake up? A lot of people, a lot of kids. Just check their phone. They roll over the bed. They check their phone. Um, But high performers, I was in a call the other day with Darren Waller, who's a tight end for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. And he said he he wakes up and he doesn't touch his phone for 90 minutes. So in the morning when he wakes up, he'll drink some water. He'll journal. He'll meditate. He'll pray. He'll do things that gets his, his mind in shape before the day even starts and before he even opens his phone and unlocks his computer. Um, and it's, again, I know this, this podcast is for baseball players, but when you're trying to be a high performer in any field or sport, you need to be able to, to have, have control of your mind in in the morning when you wake up and that all starts with your late night routines. So what are your routines look like? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you uh, meditating before you go to bed? Are you journaling to reflect on the day that you just had? Can you, can you look at yourself in the mirror when you're brushing your teeth and be like, yeah, I, I did everything I could. I did everything in my power that I, I could do today. I, I definitely did enough and I can't wait to do more and get 1% better tomorrow. And if you can reflect on your day, the previous day, the previous practice that you had, uh, the game that you had and learn something each day, and to try to improve each day after, you're you're setting yourself up for for a lot of success. Um, and so I I just think preparation is so key. Like I I remember reading the Mamba Mentality with Kobe Bryant, and Paul Gasol wrote in his foreword um, that Kobe Bryant was the most elite performer that he's ever seen in his life, the most elite preparer that he's ever seen in his life. And, I mean, I don't know if any of you guys watched Kobe Bryant's Mamba mentality um, videos or any type of, you know, content that he would put out or you would see on, on the Internet. But, he, you know, he did not let anybody work harder than him. And it, it was it's incredible. I saw something this morning that um, Kobe, there was a game in the playoffs or in the, actually it was the champion, one of the championship series. And a player was, came up to the court, and he saw Kobe there shooting, practicing, doing drills. And then he was there for about an hour, hour and a half, the guy. And he heard more dribbling. And he's like, no way Kobe's still here. And Kobe Kobe was still there in a dead sweat before he even had a game. He was preparing. He was getting mentally ready for the game. He was doing all these, all these crazy drills. And then at the game, a couple of hours later, ended up dropping 40 points on them. And that guy, that player who came into the court early to practice uh, alongside Kobe, he he came up to Kobe after the game, after they lost to the Lakers. And he was like, why were you there at the gym for so long? And Kobe said, well, I I was working and I was going to finish up, but then I saw you come in. And I wanted to let you know that I was not going to, you know, let you work harder than myself. And that's just preparation. That's mindset. That's a mentality. And I think that's what separates the good from the great and the the elite from the great. So preparation, consistency in the routines and getting yourself in line with what you're uh, what you want to do and getting one percent better every day. It would be my very complex answer for not just baseball players, for anybody listening who wants to get better in any any field that they're going for. So I hope that kind of answers. I know it's for baseball related um, but that's kind of the, the route that I want to take with that.
0: Absolutely. And, and I think uh, one of the biggest things that people don't realize is that, uh, like you said, the, the morning routine and, and getting prepared for the day, it all starts the night before. And uh, one of the things that I've, I've done and I've actually put together is I actually put together a, uh, a, a laminated paper sheet that has both morning and night routine and a schedule. So one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen athletes and individuals and people do is that they put together a to-do list and you don't want to do that because all it does is it creates anxiety and stress because you're thinking about all of this stuff that you got to do. Instead, what you should, Mm -hmm. what you need to do is you need to pick, you know, one or two things that you want to get done and then time slot it. You know, if you have a time slot, on your schedule that says, Hey, during this time, this is what I'm working on during this time. This is what I'm doing. So that will also create organization for the day so that you can see, Hey, this is what I'm working on. And here's why, and this is how it's going to help me get to where I want to be. And then, yeah,
1: Jack, sorry to cut you off. We, uh, in the mental performance world and in that kind of realm, that exactly what you're describing is what we call MITs, our most important tasks. Um, and you could again, you could just time slot it whenever you you need to you need to accomplish that thing during a time slot that you give yourself. And you're you're
0: explaining it uh, perfectly. Yeah. And then say what was the M? What was it? MIT, most important task. MIT. I like that. <laughs> most important task. I like that okay I learned something new that's pretty cool (laughs) yeah so then I have the night routine sheet and the night routine sheet consists with five things at least and then I have a eight eight empty blank one if the individual wants to add anything else to it because everyone's different Mm -hmm. but there's I, I believe that there's at least five things that you need to do no matter what every single night the first one is prepare for the next day and that's putting together your clothes, putting together your bag, putting together your time. What are you going to do the next day? So that way, when you wake up, you you already know what you're doing. You're not stressed out or, or freaking out or trying to think about what to do for the day. You already know when you wake up. And then the second thing is taking time to meditate, stretch, and then prayer. So people can take that moment uh, mentally, bleh, take that time mentally and physically to reduce their stress, reduce their time of thinking to be able to fall asleep better. So that way they, when they go to bed, they have better sleep. And then you want to make sure that you drink water because when you're sleeping, you're going to get dehydrated by the time you wake up the next day. So helping out with that physically will also reduce stress because uh, less high, the more dehydrated you are, the easier it is for your body to physically get stressed because it's trying to survive. When you're dehydrated, it says, hey, I need water, like, hello. But if you drink water before you go to bed, it doesn't uh, initiate any of that stress right away when you wake up physically. But you, if you have a routine that you drink it before you go to bed and when you wake up, you don't put any physical stress onto your body to Create any alert or stress in your brain, too. So that is huge. And I agree with you. Night and morning routine is a huge component to everyone's success. And that's not just in baseball, that's in life, too. And that's why I I strongly believe, and we're, yeah, we're hot baseball and we're hard, athletic, working kids. That's what we're focusing on. But I have always said, let's dominate life and baseball together. Because at the end of the day, baseball is a game. But life is life. Whatever you do in life, it's going to affect you and your game. Whatever you do in your game yeah, rarely I'm, ever affects your life.
1: Yeah. I'm a huge believer in in any sport. But I mean, of course, we're both biased to baseball. But <laughs> I'm a big believer that baseball or any sport is – it sets you up and it gives you the tools to succeed in life because – it, it shows you what it's like to work hard, what it's like to fail, what it feels like to fail, what it feels like to be on top of the world and win a championship and, and have all the trophies. Um, it, it shows you what, like, what work, what a hard work ethic does and how it proves to bring you, bring you progress in what whatever you're doing. And again, I, you learn so many tools, the, the, um, the relationships that you build with the teammates, with the best friends of your life, that's going to grow on for lifelong. It's just incredible what a sport, what a team sport, what baseball can do to bring to bring you happiness. I mean, I, I think that's the overall like goal, right? Like to be happy, to be successful, and to, to dominate whatever you're doing. And baseball sets you up really well for that.
0: And not only that, but if you think about it too, Everyone's definition of success and, you know, happiness is different, right? So, yeah, ha- that's one thing that you got to do mentally. You have to, you have to figure out what does that look like for you? Because at the end of the day, my version of success is not even close to your version of success, Right. Right, like for me, right. I want to have one of the largest nonprofits that help kids get into sports while educating them financial literacy, social skills, and leadership skills so that they can build their future beyond sports. Because we have the highest, unfortunately, professional players. After they re- they're they done playing, they, they have three things happen to them. Mentally, they break down because they have identified themselves as only a baseball player. They they created baseball as their identity. So it's not even uh, them being an individual anymore. It's like, I'm a baseball player. Like, and be, when that tripped away, it changed everything. And I think you kind of right. experienced that, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean,
1: baseball was s- such a big part of me. And then when I lost it, I felt like I lost myself. So I was identifying my whole life as a... Baseball athlete, not just Perry Corticcio, a a regular kid. Um, And then when I lost it, it it took a while for me to kind of get back and figure out who I am and and what my actual identity is and what I'm, you know, meant to do and destined to do for the baseball community and for the world. So um, don't mean to get so, like, soft on you, but I mean
0: that from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. And it, it also goes to show us that it's not just you, it's many other people, too. It's, right. Yes, you want to give a hundred percent to baseball, and you also want to give. You know, there's no plan B. But you also have to remember that your identity isn't the same as being a baseball player. You are a person mm-hmm. who happens to play baseball, and you have to really define between the two, because you can be a, like, not to be like mean or like anything, but. There are some people who are in baseball that are straight up just mean and not cool and just p- people that don't deserve to be playing the game. And then there's people who, but they they play baseball. And then there's really nice people who are loving and caring and great individuals that play baseball too. But when it comes to when they both finish, let's say both of them play professional baseball and they both. Have succeeded their their goals and their dreams and they have played baseball. When it comes to when the game is over, and unfortunately they have to retire or they are done playing or whatever the case may be, the person who who created an identity of being a great and caring and loving person, obviously is going to have a much more success beyond baseball than the person who had not created any true identity outside of that. Right. And so it's really important to identify who who are you and who you want to be, and then also separating that from the being the athlete. So, for example, for me, I'm saying I want to be the number one baseball pitcher in MLB. That's the goal of mine. But then, for me as an individual, I want to be a loving and caring husband, father and individual to my community, and I want to make sure that I am impacting the lives that I interact with. So whoever I'm talking to, I want them to leave better than I came to them. And so that is just that. So I created those two different identities, and that's who I am. So I think it's really imperative that some of these kids and and the older kids as well take that time to do that that way they can separate yeah. the two because then when they are done with baseball or if they need a break from baseball, they know what, who they are. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And so I want to, I, I want to finish with one last question for you. Um, and then dive into two questions that I have for my hot community. <laughs> um, so uh, the last question I have for you is, you know, when it comes to, The mindset going onto the mound, you said there was several things that you wish you had known. You already talked about the breathing and then you talked about your morning and night routine and everything else. What is one last thing that you think uh, would be helpful for the mindset to performing as an athlete? Uh,
1: Just the having the utmost confidence in yourself and your ability. So, again, confidence is a huge predictor. Of how you're going to to do to to uh, react to baseball because in baseball there's a ton of uncontrollables Um, you know you bat 300 and you're considered a hall of famer right in the MLB and it's it's crazy because the what co- what comes with confidence is again preparation that that's the number one thing is preparing and then practicing it and then becoming confident in the game so. Being having uh, a lot of confidence in yourself and your ability is, is crucial in game, whether you're on the mound or in the batter's box, knowing, feeling that you are believing that you are the best player on the field. You have to put that and drill that into your head when you're on the field, right? Because if you are looking into that pitcher's eyes, when you're in the batter's box and you are, you know, locking in and you're telling him, "I'm not going to let down from this at bat. I'm, I'm just not. Like I'm gonna fight every single pitch. I'm going to be aggressive." You need to have that mentality and that mindset and don't care. And the number another cool thing is too, you have to, along with being confident in your ability, you have to let go of like expectations. Um, one of the buddies who's in my book, Justin Friedman, was with the White Sox as a professional pitcher. Uh, he's a great entrepreneur. He told me that letting go of expectations is key because when you're even when you're not again not in game and you're just striving for a goal, you have to let go of a definite timeline of when you might get there to a certain spot or a certain destination. And just believe the fact that eventually you will you will get there and you will be that player you want to be or you will be that person you want to be, you will, you will. It's just a matter of when, and you don't have a timeline. You have to let go of that kind of expectation. Um, So when you're, when you, when you're believing your ability, you're letting go of the outcomes too. You're letting go of the outcomes and just trusting the process and trusting that the work you're going to do is going to pay off in the long run. That's the number one thing you could do. That is so crucial. Um, So your mindset on the mound, on the field, anywhere, should be, I'm the best player on the field. I don't care what happens. All I care about is that I'm putting my my best E-A-T into the game. Your EAT is the acronym, which is your effort, your attitude, and your teamwork. I think those are the three um, disciplines that you need to have for yourself when you're playing. So I'll rephrase that all again. You you got to have the confidence and trust that your process, the trust that your practice, trust that your work is going to pay off, and understanding that and believing that, fully believing, firmly believing that you are the best player on the field at that moment, and no one's beating you. Have that mentality, but then also after the game, look at look in the mirror and reflect and be like, okay, did I give my best EAT, my effort? Did I give? That I have a good attitude? And did I, was I even a good teammate that day? Um, so I think those are the, uh, the things that I kind of want to discuss.
0: Absolutely. And I think the other thing too, is that, uh, have you heard of the five P's? I uh, have not. So the five P's is, uh, is kind of what you're talking about a little bit, which is proper preparation prevents piss poor performing. And so that, that's an oh. acronym that, you know, I've known for a long time. And so one of the things that I've, done because of the fact that i knew that proper preparation prevents piss poor performance it, it made me want to put in the work it made me want to take the time to learn and grow and get better because that meant that i would not have any piss poor performance because i was preparing to prevent it from happening and so that right. is uh, the five p so i'm glad that i got to teach you uh, something as i got to learn from you yeah definitely. you uh I like your acronym as well, because that also breaks it down just a little bit more. Um, and I like it. It 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 really, at the end of the day, both in life and baseball, it all you can control is your effort and then being a teammate. And then that's just in life as well, because being a husband, being a wife or being, uh, you know, a An
1: employee, employee
0: or being a, you know, a son or a dot like there's so much, And so you have to be able to, at the end of the day, like you said, did I give 100% to everything that I did or did I kind of, like, slack off? Did I I really give my full effort? Because at the end of the day, that's all you can control. There's nothing else you can really control. And not only that, but just like uh, I don't know if I'm correct on this phrase and you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but it's just like when people say, you can't control what happened to you, but you can control what you do next. Yeah, and I,
1: really quickly, I want to bring up a cool formula that I've learned from um, Urban Meyer, who used to be the coach, head coach for the Ohio State Buckeyes football team. Now he's the head coach for the Jaguars. And I read his book, and Above the Line Behavior, and his equation that I'm sure it's not his equation, but I'm sure he got it from somewhere, but E plus R equals O. So the event plus the response equals the outcome. And you can't control the E, you can't control the O, but what you can control is the R, the R factor. You can control your response to any situation, any outcome that comes your way. And I just wanted to end on that.
0: Oh, I like that. I really like that. Can you say it one more time for everybody, including myself? Yeah, Uh, E
1: plus R equals O. The event plus your response equals the outcome so you can't control the e you definitely can't control the o but the one thing that you can't control is your response to all the events and the outcomes that happen to you
0: absolutely i love it and that's also contributes to the reason why you don't want to stress out or think about or worry about the outcome and or the results at the end too right because yeah, you, you can't really sure. you can't really control it so i like that no ah oh, man this is a good podcast i hope that some of you guys are learning and growing with me. Um, you know, can you go ahead and put your plug in before I ask the two questions from my Hawk family to you?
1: Yeah, um, I'm an open book. You guys can always, whoever's listening, you guys can always reach out to me. Um, I love to connect and, and talk to you guys. But um, my Instagram is at underscore Perry So P-E-R-R-Y-Q-U-A-R-T. UCCIO. I'm also on Twitter at Perry Cartuccio. Um, I think that's it. And I'm also on TikTok uh, at
0: Mental Performance Coach, but I don't really post that much on there. (laughs) Very cool. And you guys can check me out at Hawk Baseball. uh, And you can do that on hawkbaseball.org, or you can go ahead and DM me on Instagram or TikTok at Drexel.smith, D-R-E-X-E-L dot, and then Smith. And so you can check me out at that. And I have two questions for you, Perry, from my community. You guys DM me if you have any questions that you want me to ask interviewers and people that I'm interviewing, which is Perry today. And one of the questions that I actually have for you is from uh, Christopher. Christopher wanted to know, when it comes to failure, what is the best thing that I can do to try to overcome it? Because I struggle when I'm failing yeah um i think that's a really great question
1: um i think the with failure i think the most important part is the acceptance um so it's it seems that if you're asking this question you are accepting that you fail but you also need to accept that um what you're doing that's causing that might be causing the failure you have to open up your perspective and shift your your perspective to kind of figure out you know break it down piece by piece why is it that i'm failing is it is something that i can control is it is something that i cannot and you make a list of the the failure and you write down you jot down the controllables that's con- that might be causing it and then you, you jot down the uncontrollables so then you only worry about the controllables um, piece so the first part is accepting it and then again this is what this kind of podcast has been talking about, but this your response to to the controllables and how you're going to re- react to it and, and take action and be proactive with it. So for, I mean, I, I'll try to give an example from the top of my head, it's going to be tough. Um, but say you're really basic. Say you're failing, um, you fail a, a couple exams, right? In school, you fail some tests. And not just one test, but you're failing consistently or you're not doing well. Consistently, um, you can look at the, your study habits. That's a controllable. You can look at your sleep. Are you even? Are you getting enough sleep um, before the night you you take the test? Or and then the uncontrollables could be: is the teacher or professor even um, mentioning this? Right, because a lot of people, uh, a lot of kids will get a test and not do well on it, or have a, a in air quotations, bad teacher and they'll just blame and complain and defend themselves and their habits, but when you dig down and try to reflect on what you're actually studying and and how you're studying, are you efficient, like, people can say, oh, I studied for four hours, but are you mindful and aware and focused for those four complete hours? Probably not. You're probably on your phone checking stuff on your computer, dozing off shopping or something, and, or maybe you stopped a quick break to get a snack, and that accounted for those four hours, like, You have to just kind of be honest and and open and vulnerable to yourself and really reflect on the controllables of of the failure and breaking it down.
0: And that, Um, because there are going to be unconscious. Yeah. Well, that also goes even before that. Are you taking good notes? Like, are you really paying attention during class? Yeah. Because your notes are what you're studying from. And you can't, you know, maybe you need to take better notes. You need to ask more questions during class if you're confused. Uh, you know, those are things that can factor into that too. And I'm only jumping in because this is a great example and many kids can relate to, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions during class. Don't be afraid to, you know, ask someone to repeat, uh, ask a professor or a teacher to repeat something that they said so that you can make sure that you write it down properly so that when you do study, you have the proper stuff to study up from.
1: Exactly. And I, and I think another example, if you wanted to bring it into baseball, Uh, let's, Let's use me as an example from my 16 ball story from me struggling on the mound. Obviously, the controllables was all it's always all my it was my fault. It was my wrongdoing. Right. So I was training the physical side. There was no question or issue with the physical side because I was weightlifting. I was sprinting my sprint work. I was doing everything arm care related. No problems there. I was doing my bullpens I was doing everything I was doing um hip mobility and shoulder mobility anything you could think of so I it made sense that I had to blame somebody or something for my failures but when you when I broke it down a year later after I quit like I reflected I'm like wow maybe I could have trained my mindset I could have did things differently I could have controlled my breath I could have controlled my attitude on the mound and, and how I did my pre-pitch routines. And, and like, when you really think about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, like if I had these tools then, and I used them, then it's not a failure anymore. It's probably something better. Um, So being vulnerable with yourself is, is crucial.
0: I love that. And not only that, but if you think about it too, in the baseball world, a lot of coaches actually look for those moments. They're looking for that yeah. moment where a pitcher walks someone or they hit, get a home run hit off of them. What do they do after that? Like, do they strike out the next two guys and an inning or do they end up continuing to walk people and or get more hits off of them? Like, they, they, they're they watching for that. They actually want to see you yeah. fail just to see your reaction and how you respond to it. So training on that 100%. is totally crucial both in in life too, because if you think about it, you know, maybe you have a significant other or your girlfriend, boyfriend, they say something or do something, you know, it's out of your control now. Like you can't control how they treat you or do anything to you, but what you can do is control the response that you do to them. Meaning like you can say, you know what, I'm done with this relationship or you can talk to them and say, Hey, you know, this actually didn't hurt my feelings or, hey that that wasn't very nice of you to do it for me like communicate to them and talk about that so i think that uh people naturally are watching you when you fail and so now it's just yep. a matter of you personally responding to that failure so do your best to to focus on on the next one and i think uh one of my favorite things that i i struggled with for a good uh four weeks. And I mentioned it in my latest podcast, but I love to mention it again in this one is that I had four games in a row where it was almost like just a routine where I would walk the first guy and then I strike out the following three guys. And I don't know why it just was a thing. Like my coaches even would say, okay, go ahead and walk the first guy, strike out the first, you know, the following three so we can get out of this inning as a starter in the game. And so I was like, I'm sick and tired of this, man. What am I going to do differently next time? And yep. the first thing that I did next time is that instead of uh, doing what my coach said, which was to slowly, uh, you know, find my slot during my fastball. I said, hey, coach, today I just want to make sure that I don't walk anyone and I want to use my pitches and I just I'm not going to just throw my fastball in the first inning. And so as a result right. it changed it. I didn't walk anyone. I struck out one guy and I had a, a a little blooper to shortstop for the first batter hit a little blooper to to shortstop and he got it and he threw it the first and everyone was like, "Yay! You didn't you didn't walk him." And everybody was laughing and I was like, "Oh god." When you <laughs> when your whole team knows that you're going to walk the first batter, like, "Come on." That not- like, that's just, like, bad. <laughs> so
1: changing yeah. that mindset yeah.
0: of, like, finding my location and finding my arm spot to, hey, I just don't want to walk anyone. Let's just put it and force the, the batters to put the ball into play. That changed the results naturally. And granted, sure. it was the first time that I made a change. Sometimes in life and in baseball, when you make a change, it doesn't work out that way. I could have continued to still walk them. Because if you think about it, prior to that, I did try to change something. What I changed is I said, you know what? Let me try doing a curveball first instead of a fastball when I start the game. And then try to see if that makes any changes. Nope, still walked them. And then the following, the fourth game, I said, you know what? I'm just going to throw a fastball down the middle. And I couldn't do it. I just kept on throwing it too low or too high. And then I walked them. So then it was just a matter of changing the mindset. So then finally, the third time, it worked. And ever since then, it's been working for me. Now I just focused on, hey, force them to make the play during the first inning. After that, once I got, you know, the groove going and, you know, the momentum going, then I can start trying to uh, blow it by them and, and making different pitches work for me. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. All right, so then the second question I have for you from my hot family is from a parent. uh, It's actually a dad, and uh, the dad's name is Daniel. Daniel wanted to know um, what can he do as a dad to prepare his son mentally? Well, um, so I don't want to tell you how
1: to parent. um, But but from what I've seen and experienced with, whether it was my dad or even the kids I coach now, who have struggles with the pressure that their parents put on them, I would just advise and and tell you that let, let your kid, let, um, you know, let your kid just play and have as little interference with um, himself and how, or herself of figuring out the game um, themselves. And because a lot of parents like to, again, out of love, out of, um, passion and care for their for their kid and and they, ha- they of course they want them to do well but if you're overloading or if you're pressuring the kid um, to perform at their best level it's it's not going to work out in the long run a lot of kids quit the game early because of the pressure that's put on them so I there's you can give them the the regular tools that a mental performance coach would and, and tell them and just remind them to you know to breathe and to do this and to do that. Sure. But the number one thing is just like kind of stay away from how they deal with the failures and how they deal with their successes. Um, Don't praise the outcomes, praise the process. So um, one example from the book mindset that explains the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset is as a parent, instead of saying, so if a kid gets a, if your kid gets a, um, a hundred, or 95 on a quiz or a test, right? Don't say, don't reward them and be like, hey, you got 195, like here's a, a present. Instead, you can be like, hey, here's a present. You really, you studied hard, you worked hard for this to, to get to earn what you got. And I'm proud of you for that. So praising the process instead of the outcome um, is gonna, again, that, help. that can be for baseball, that could be for um, school. So a, a baseball example could be, uh, they go 4 for 4 right and get four hits or two home runs or something like that and you reward them hey let's let me treat you out i mean obviously you're going to treat them out but like hey let's this is for you like let's let's do something for that 4 for 4 day um, what if that 4 for 4 day they uh, it was blue pits it was um, maybe an error that was marked a, a hit and then what if someone what if your kid went over 4 but they hit line drives right at the players, and or they hit a bomb, and and it landed short of the warning track. Sure, they went 0 for 4, but and they and they also they're a hard worker and practice and in, in um in their training. How, so you're are you not gonna reward the 0 for 4 day that they hit line drives and and didn't get the maybe the outcome of a hit, but they still put you know a good barrel on the ball. So little things like that. I mean, another example could be ERAs. ERAs are very, very, very like fluctuated, and that could depend on the the defense behind them. That could depend on a lot of things. Um, a team, could, a, a pitcher could have a really, really good ERA, but their win-loss record could be like 0 and 8. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, so praising the process and not the outcome, and just staying away from failures. Don't don't give the kid a, oh, what's it called? The acronym. Oh, I just learned this. Basically, don't give your kid a um, a, a talk okay. after a bad game. So what I mean by that is, if a kid does poorly in their performance, and they're in the car, you don't want the kid to dread the car ride home and hear and hear all this constructive and and um, crucial feedback or something harsh from a parent. Don't put any things into your kid's head like, Oh, that coach should have played you. That coach is doing you wrong. If you put these ideas into the kid, um, a lot of bad can happen from it. They can think they're entitled to play. They can think they're entitled to get hits all the time and, and they feel bad about themselves. And they're, And again, I wrote this in my book that some, most kids are worried about impressing their parents instead of actually doing good in the game and enjoying the fun of it. So that's, what I kind of want to say on it. Um, so maybe not mentally preparing, but something that you could do to avoid the mental stress and the anxiety that you could possibly bring on the kid.
0: I love those two. And I'm actually going to give two more uh, advice. Uh, one of the things is that step away from the game and be a parent, like be the dad, be the mom. Like after a game, they don't, they don't want a coach. They want their, their mom and their dad. And so I think it's really crucial Uh, to be able to be that mom and dad. And or um, what I've seen in the past where I had, uh, you know, when I was a teammate and or I have talked to many other coaches, some coaches who have their kids that they coach, they say they ask the question. So you can do this to yourself as a dad or as a mom. You can say, hey, when you get in the car, instead of having that dreadful drive, what you can say is, hey, do you want my dad cap on or do you want my coach cap on? That's awesome. And that that allows the kid to tell you, you know what, I want I want a coach right now. Can you tell me what I can do to get better? Or that allows him to say, you know what, I'm kind of like over this game for the day. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. Can you just be my dad? Like, let's just talk yep. about, you know, something else. Like, let's talk about school or talk about, um, you know, something else in life that's going on. And then that allows you as the dad to be able to navigate based on how your son or as a mother to know how to deal with your son or daughter based on how they're feeling and what they want to talk about and do. And the second thing that I would highly recommend, you know, as a dad as well, is that your majority of the time when they're young, you're kind of in control of their morning and night routine. If you really think about it, you wake them up, you put them to sleep. And all that stuff. So if you help implement at a young age a morning and night routine where you're doing it with them to help them start to build those habits, it's going to change their lives. So that's not just in baseball, but that will really change their lives as individuals, too. They'll most likely perform better in school. They're going to perform better on the field as well. So if I was to encourage you to do something that will help them for sure, it's create that morning and night routine with them. Yeah. Definitely. That's a great piece that you brought up, Actually, I love that. And so I think that That's awesome. this is a great way to end the podcast. Thank you again, Perry, for joining. And you have truly helped a lot of people. I know I learned a few things myself. Um, guys, remember, I'm not better than you. I'm learning with you. Let's dominate life and baseball together. And please consider subscribe if you still haven't subscribed. And let's get after it this week. Implement some new things that you have learned, because remember, information itself is not power. Implied knowledge is what power comes from. So you need to apply what you have learned today and get after it this week, you guys. Have a good one, and thank you again, Perry. Thanks for having me on, Drexel. I hope all of you guys dominate today, and I appreciate every single one of you guys for listening
1: in. I hope you guys get better and take serious um, note of your development. I, I appreciate all, every single one of you guys. Drexel, thanks again. Thank you. Have a good one, you guys. God bless.